Hi, welcome back to LiveAnimated.com. Let's learn something new. I have someone here with me who is very important, uh, one of the best technical recruiters in the game that I have come across and had the opportunity to work with. We're talking about Jeff Lonazak. Hey, man, welcome to the show. Welcome. It's good, good to, to be you. good to see you. Likewise, likewise, yeah. it's good to have you here. I so, remember I uh, convinced you to move from Texas. I thought that was a nice trick. That's right. You sure you did. didn't want you didn't want to move. Well, it's nice in Texas, yeah, and things are I really know, cheap there. I know. So you kind of... I had to work it. You forced my hand. I had right. to like double up on everything. Everything was so much more expensive yeah. out here. Yeah, and here you are. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> so what we like to do is, uh, as you know, this show is geared towards people who are enthusiasts, people who are probably in school. They're looking to get into the games industry. We are talking with a technical recruiter here today. Uh, Jeff works at uh, Ubisoft. Ubisoft. Some people say it differently, but it's Ubisoft. It right? is Ubisoft, yeah. Uh, he's a senior U technical It's short recruiter. for ubiquitous software, if you knew that. Nice. That's awesome. everywhere. Nice. Yeah. So what do you do there? What, do you, what is your day-to-day -day like? Um, well, I'm responsible for building up a number of studios. They have like 40 studios around the world. Um, I'm responsible for San Francisco. There's a studio in Osaka. They have a studio in Atlanta. So I'm responsible for building up the development team. So I've been working in games for like, you know, 25, 30 years and all disciplines, art, animation, design, production. That's kind of my specialty. Yeah, you did a good job in um, building a team over at Red 5. Yeah. Like, as you can see, a lot of people went on to do big things. Tremendous success. I mean, we have some designers that are VP of design at Riot now. We've got a lot of people that went to Blizzard. Almost everyone did and ended up at a great space. It was a great company to, to breed and find great talent. And we, we made a great product. It was just by happenstance of the games industry that things didn't work out. But that's the nature of the beast. Yeah, you did an amazing job bringing everybody Thanks. I, I When I look back and think about it, I'm just like, man, you know, there was a lot of talent yeah. in one space. You know, it was not often you come across something like that. Well, don't forget the games industry is one of the last bastions where it's really and truly a collective uh environment you can't make a game by yourself you need so a, you need collaboration and you need to be on site right next next to people at your side mm -hmm. and all collaborations have to work together and it's also one of the most complex softwares in the world i mean people talk about oh aerospace and flying missiles through the air but can you imagine having a technology where you can press a button on a computer and somebody in shanghai is seeing immediate um you know, special effects. Response feedback from someone Audio. Else, yeah, from someone else across it, the world. It's unbelievable. And there's millions doing it concurrently. I mean, I challenge anyone to do that on a software side. So, and because it's also tends to be a fairly lucrative business, you know, if you have 150 developers and they can do a game, like look at what Fortnite's doing. You got 150 people and yet it's generating I don't even know. Billions. 30 million billions, a, a day? Billions, billions a month. And so they know their value. Yeah. So those people are really highly competitive to find. Yeah. And so you have to know how to woo them and you have to know how to keep them and you have to know how to retain them. So it's a challenge. Nice. Yeah. So now let's go back. We're going to go back okay. to 1974. You may want to go back earlier than that. Uh, I wouldn't mind going like, back earlier than, <laughs> earlier than that. Okay. So we're going to go all the way back. You were a young budding college student going yeah. to the University of Michigan yeah. for philosophy. I was the uh, president of the philosophy club. I saw that. I saw yeah. that on your, on your Thank you very much. So um, yeah. it looks like even early then you 
we're all about corralling people, getting people to stand behind your vision, building teams, building out projects. So what I was also president of my class. Did you already know? Yeah. <laughs> did you already know that you want to go into like a human there was, research? There was no you know, such field like that. Recruiting. No. You didn't no. there was nothing like that. Nothing so like that. Did you know you wanted to get into games or media? I mean, you know, there wasn't the 70s, even we had some, you know, Atari. I mean, we had some things that looked like games that we could play on TV. Pong came out. Wow, that was Commodore really fun and cool. Like that, yeah. I hate to even talk like this because yeah. I'm really dating myself. But I really got hooked after I graduated from school yeah. and, you know, met, like a lot of people do, they fell in love, chased a girl out to California. And I had never been to California in Michigan, and I'm 21 years old, and I'm in Berkeley, and I'm walking around uh, Thanksgiving in a T-shirt, and I couldn't believe it. Mm. I could not believe it. Now nice. you can do that in Michigan because of global warming. You know? <laughs> yeah. But back then, you couldn't. It's getting hot. Yeah. Um, so I just packed my bags and moved to California. And I was a stockbroker at the time, which was, looking back, a great training ground because they really trained you on how to have client relationships, how to work with, uh, you know, getting people, prospecting people, finding good good. Wait, so you were, were you building portfolios I was. and building clients? Mm -hmm. Or yeah, were you doing the day-to-day -day trading and stuff both. like that too? No, no, no. I was responsible for client okay. development. Okay. So, and then... Uh, a friend of mine, so I was in California doing that. A friend of mine, Silicon Valley was just starting to explode. And a friend of mine was doing recruitment for uh, engineers. Mm. And I have a brother that's an engineer. So I kind of grew up in that environment. That was not a foreign environment to me. Mm -hmm. And I knew how to kind of talk the talk. Um, and then I bought a uh, Sega Genesis had just come out. So you were, it sounds like you were into games you were into new when, media when the new sega genesis came out i was like holy crap this is going to be something awesome. so you bypassed nintendo game boy you didn't know that anything? genesis was like the first even before nintendo i mean it kind of like i can't remember maybe the i i don't know you're giving me the evil eye <laughs> i know it's i'd like to look at the facts it was so i think it was uh it was atari well it was, okay. if you go back way far it's uh okay. television commodore and then you have your atari 2600 and then they had another one atari 7800 something right like that, right right and then they went into nintendo okay so you're telling and then me it's nintendo all right and then uh uh sega genesis uh came out after because it was sega first sega yeah. the sega console just came out and then it was sega genesis um that was like their response to um uh, nintendo's I, th I think i might have bought the sega genesis because we had so i started a technical recruitment firm with my buddy okay and then there was a company called epics epyx yeah yeah i think that's up that's up in here and they did a handheld well you were um, search tech first yeah that was my that was my company oh that was your company my company and okay. we started getting these clients okay so we got epics that was doing a handheld device there you go right there yeah and 1989 uh, to 1991 there, there's people that still talk to me about that because oh, wow. they were like the first like game boy like yeah yeah, yeah. They, no, nothing was like that okay and then those people left when Sega came to Sega America, they set up a studio in Redwood Shores, mm -hmm. and people started going to work there. Mm. And so they looked to us to find them talent. In fact, there's a there's a guy I can I can talk about names, can't I? Because people you can talk about okay. whatever you want. So yeah. there there's a guy Ed Annunziata who just like celebrated his 30th. I don't know. He sent me an email going, Jeff, you started. There was not even the concept of a producer at the time. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. The, we just, and so some somebody was telling me, hey, I need somebody who really knows a combination of 2D art and can kind of manage a project. You know, we don't really, I think we're going to call him a producer. And so Ed was like the first guy that started at Sega. And uh, at the same time, Electronic Arts 
was starting to take off as well. And they were located also in Redwood Shores mm -hmm. at the time. And so Sagan went through some just, and eventually they brought me on board. And the uh, director of technology at uh, Sega Technical Institute was a guy named Mark Cerny, who is now the uh, technical, who is now the lead architect on the uh, PlayStation. He was the lead architect on the PlayStation Three, PlayStation Four, um, and he and I worked together to start finding engineering talent, and we worked on Sonic Spinball. Um, that they developed in the U.S. That's crazy. And so even back in '89, you were working with these people who just turned into like and then these huge big wigs turned into huge big wigs, and it kind of took me along for the ride. Right. And uh, we can talk about what, well, what how that ride first developed. Experience in getting into uh, recruiting. I think we kind of jumped ahead a little bit. So yeah, it was you mentioned before, like you got a taste of recruitment. Um, and you had the engineer, you know, your family was in engineering and you were talking about bringing on engineers, but when did you get that first taste of doing recruiting? Well, as I said, I met this, I, my good friend, uh, who was doing uh, contract recruiting okay. in, uh, Silicon Valley as it started to explode. Okay. And he said, Hey, you ought to get into this. This is, they can't find people. This is really great. And he was showing me how to do it. So we formed a company called search tech. And okay, so that, okay. and then, and that's how I started developing clients. And one client led to the games industry, and that's when I fell in love with the games industry, and eventually mm -hmm. got pulled into that industry. This space, um, okay. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, cool. So after after working at uh, Epics, you went right into working for Sega. I so did. You, so you got them as a client, and then you're like, you know what? Hey. How about I work for you guys? Yeah, is that they how were, that went down? Yeah, they were really, really interested because they didn't have anybody to find. It was talent. new. It was this all brand was new. Just bubbling. All brand new. And I like to tell you know some amazing stories like their, even their QA department. Um, you know, we had this uh, director of QA, this woman Cindy Clavern, and she would bring people like, "How are you going to find people? Like, we really need people attention to detail, people that play a lot of games." And she used to bring people in one room and talk to them for like 15, 20 minutes, take them into another room and say, hey, who were you just talking to? Oh, I was talking to John um, Wilcox. Uh, what kind of shirt was John wearing? Oh, John was wearing, what was, do you remember anything about the room? Could you describe the room to me? Well, uh, the room was, uh, okay, thank you. And versus another person. Oh, I was talking to John Wilcox. He was wearing a blue shirt with red stripes. Yeah, there were kind of red stripes with little fuzzy things in between. Oh, yeah, the blue. They had this, like, Picasso on the left wall. It's kind of weird. And a poster of, you know, uh, some Mario game on the right wall. And it was, like, a blue carpeting. Like, you're hired. You're hired. <laughs> yeah, right. You know. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that good? Yeah, that's pretty good. There's like a lot that. of less scrutiny. Yeah. 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 So cool. some people still use that kind of technique to... You know, the technique of observation. Well, for quality and, assurance, because you have right. to be really attuned to details. you know details, finding bugs, communication, reporting bugs, detail on reporting bugs. Right? Well, I found a bug in level three. Okay. Well, what about you know? What am I yeah. reading this for? There's yeah. a bug in level three. That kind of thing. Right. That's yeah. awesome. That's pretty yeah. cool. So you worked there for two years. You're responsible for staffing up the original Sega development team, including yep. the producers and staffing. Yeah. Um, what drew you towards technical recruiting as opposed to just recruiting? Well, I still do 
this, right now you do, you do everything. I've always done that, okay. but I, I'm kind of am kind of known because finding the technical talent is really really difficult. Okay. It's probably the most difficult because it's so competitive, and some people are afraid of it because they can't talk the talk. And I'm not saying I'm a technologist or understand the inner workings of all the technology, but I do understand the general basics concepts, and I can communicate that to applicants, and I can communicate that to client when I interview an applicant yeah and I know even yeah. through our conversations I've seen like you'll ask animation questions or ask right. questions about process so I have, I have so you're, that, you're good at that I have that skill set yeah. um, and that was given to me by the people that kind of mentored me along the way like Mark Cerny I mentioned earlier he had created it for, his claim to fame was at I think 14 or 15 he created Marble Madness I don't mm. know if you oh, know this game I remember that I played that it I believe was, I played that yeah. on the Nintendo so by the time he showed up at, at uh, Sega, yeah. he was probably like 20 years. I mean, we were wow. all super young. You know, I'm probably 27, That's but he game. was probably 21 or something. Hmm. And then I never forget, and I worked with him for a number of years. You know, he eventually went on to Crystal Dynamics, took me to Crystal Dynamics, and eventually to Universal Studios, and he formed Naughty Dog. We'll talk about that going forward. But um, one of the things he was like, he said, Jeff, the difference between a really top-notch programmer and somebody who's not is not like A to B. It's exponential. It's like 10 to 20 times. So we've got to find the time. And he would have a C++ test that we would give to people. Like he was like, we need to find top talent. It makes all the difference in the world. If you think about the games industry as opposed to like any other industry, you know, we're not buying cement and building anything. It's all talent. It's all intellectual property. It's all people that come together. And they put a lot of money into that, right? It's not easy to make a AAA product in today's world. Some of these budgets are like 150, 200, 300 million. And that's a big bet for people to place. So, and you're betting it on the talent that you have. So that's why it's so important. And that's why someone like me um, is so critical to a development process. Yeah, it's very important. I think what we've seen um, in our time working together is that Getting the right people makes all the difference. Getting the even one wrong person could start a cataclysmic yeah. event where they'll start right. to negatively influence people, and you know there's there's a downhill ride you got to mm -hmm. take from that, and then building from that. You know, I've seen you go from um, building out a lot of people and having a lot of uh, uh, influence over people that has a high imaginant imagination or imaginations for coming together and working together as a cohesive unit and then I've seen us you know when we work together things went a little south and then you had to rebound from that because you had to either uh, we had to go through like either layoffs and then we had to recruit more people yeah to pick up more ground and then stay doing what we're doing like it, it was crazy um, it's a it's challenging very difficult it's job. a very challenging business and you ha and anything can change on a dime you yeah. can't and you or know, people just leaving, and you're like, oh, this leave. guy was our number one guy. And you have no idea. Like one day, the per you know, in today's world, right, yeah. everybody's nice and nice, and the next day they're gone. It's the same yeah. thing with, with, you know, people showing up in interviews. I mean, I, just when I say I've seen everything, I can't even say that anymore. Because right. people say, oh, yeah, I'll show up Tuesday at 3. Yeah. Tuesday at 3, like, what happened to Jimmy? And nowadays, people don't even want to say no. They're afraid. Instead, they hide under a rock, and they're just like... 
what do they call it now? Dead air or, you know, silent? Ghosting? Ghosting. Yeah, they ghost you. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're they'll, ghosted. They'll, they'll take you all the way through. You're buying the <laughs> right? airfare. You're buying, <laughs> right. you set up the hotel rooms. Next exactly. thing you know, they're like, they didn't show up or they didn't call, you know. It's, but that's still rare. I mean, let's yeah. not let's not forget. 90% of the times, human beings meet. We're normal people. Yeah. We're excited. Sometimes normal. We're excited. <laughs> yeah. We're excited to join the project. Yeah. They're excited to have you. Yeah. And it all works out. Yeah. That's what makes it a beautiful thing, right? That is. It, yeah. it, it's very special to bring a team together it or is. form a team. And then you start seeing people shine and go like, man, this dude is hitting on all cylinders. Right. Everything's going great. And everybody's happy. You know, it's it's rare, though. And then the candidate says, hey, Jeff, I remember the time you first pinged me where we first talked on the phone. Yeah. And here I am. I can't believe it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so people cool. are usually very appreciative, too, which is nice. That's good. That's yeah. good. And it seems like with what you do... Um, a lot of it is keeping in contact with people, I people do, that you've like, worked with before. I've read a lot of books about networking yeah. and how to, uh, which is really good. And I would encourage people to have that skill set. I mean, there's some mundane things that people talk about all the time, but I think it's really important. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the, my one takeaways from the networking books I've read is you need to have your spiel down. Um, you know, what do you do? It's And, and they call it the elevator pitch for a reason mm -hmm. because most people – they're not even, you know, you talk to people, they're not even tuning in. So you got to get them tuned in. Hey, what do you do? Hey, I do technical recruitment in the video game business, um, retaining talent that makes products seen by millions. Oh, yeah. and you want to get you the, want more. You're like, you, okay, you want the great. people, you want the people to say, oh, yeah. so that you can tell them more. Right. Because you can so get it, you, you can judge it based off of if you say your elevator pitch and you're just not interested, you're like, okay, well, right. see the game Who last cares? night? <laughs> they yeah. don't, they Who don't cares? want to talk about work. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so now you go to Crystal Dynamics, like you mentioned before. You met someone at the Sega Technical Institute when you were. Chris, they Crystal took you Dynamics to was yeah really interesting. I was like the fifth person 94. there. Ninety four. That's um, there was a Gecko game, right? Yeah. In fact, uh, Lyle Hall was the producer on that. And he went on to form uh, Iron something Studios. What is it in LA? Iron Forge. No, not Iron Forge. Oh my God. Heavy Iron. Heavy Iron. Okay. Heavy Iron okay. Studios. I heard of that. Um and. Yeah, it was a game called Gex, and it was a platform Gex gecko, game yeah. with a gecko. That was on Sega. It was on Sega, and it's an interesting story because Mark Cerny went from Sega, and the, by the way, Cursor Dynamics was founded by Madeline, two women, Madeline Canapa and Judy Lang. Both of them came from Sega. Mm -hmm. uh, Madeline Canapa was one of like the first marketing person. Very dynamic person, you know, she, kind of person that walks into a room and everybody just says, where, where do we go? Yeah, I'll follow you anywhere, you know. Yeah, and Crystal Dynamics just had a, a bunch of story-driven um, video games that were just breaking all breaking all the barriers and breaking all the walls down. And our president was Strauss Zelnick, who is now the CEO of Take-Two Interactive, oh, wow. which is like unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And Geronimo Barrera which I brought in as a QA guy, is the guy that came up with um, Grand Theft Auto. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll never forget. I tell this story a lot. So we had an arcade in the back area mm -hmm. where I sat mm -hmm. with the QA team, and there was an arcade called Taxi Driver. Mm -hmm. You would just pick up people and drive them around in a taxi. Yeah, I remember right, that. I remember that. They had an arcade shell of that when you go And right them. next to it was um, Street Fighter. And Geronimo used to say, somebody ought to be combining these two games, man. This is too good. <laughs> That's awesome. And now he's like, you know. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Grand Theft Auto cool. guy, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, and he was like 20 years old. And now he's like, I don't know, 50-year-old guy with a long beard. And, you know, he's like the guy that did Total gamer. Grand Theft Auto, you know. But there's a lot of people like that. That's um, cool. 
And Crystal Dynamics was formed because 3DO was coming out. So it mm-hmm. was going to be the I first remember 3DO. 3D, 3DO was, game. 3DO was more about doing video cinematics, like it live was. action stuff. And they had those huge discs we at did. one point. Yeah, I remember we that. Did. It didn't – I think they were taking a bet on media. It yeah, didn't take mediums, off the way everybody expected exactly, it to. Exactly, it didn't do but well. But Crystal places bet on 3DO. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the name Crystal Dynamics, Madeline, was like, you know, whiteboarding. And whiteboarding is like, hey, you're, you know, I keep telling people when I give ideas to people, you know, whiteboarding is all about, you're not supposed to say, that's a dumb idea, Jim. You know, you're supposed to just throw the ideas on the wall. Put anything up there. Right, anything. And then later on, you might discuss it. But at the time of the moment, you don't go, Edward, Where'd you get that? That's dumb. Yeah. You know, none of that. Brainstorming. Brainstorming. Thank you. So they were brainstorming. She wanted something, two words. One word would be something beautiful and precious, and the other would be some kind of verb that would action. Mm -hmm. You know, and so Crystal Dynamics, there you go. And also, CD. That's awesome. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And everything is on a CD. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that. That's how they came up with that. So we made we made Gex, and that was a time where people were sleeping. Like there were more than one game though. There was more than one game. Yeah. There was another one called Sun. Something about this. Soul or soul or something. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Steve White was our lead engineer who went on t- uh, to um, what's that studio that did um, up in Seattle. Um, I can't remember, but, um, yeah. Um, and, uh, so, you know, Crystal made Gex and a lot of these, uh, other 3d games and Mark Cerny then decided, got called by, uh, universal studios because you, the movie business didn't want to miss out on the games business. Yeah, there was a huge time where there, there was, was a, a lot t- of movie products, exactly. tie-ins with games and a lot of people made they a lot of money. They had never done that before. Yeah. So they brought Mark Cerny down to universal studios and he got a, he said Jeff I need you down here cuz we want to start a couple companies and we're going to start a couple companies and he hired Jason Rubin and Andy Gavin who once again were like 20 year olds that just did this game called Way of the Warrior and Andy was a technologist and he had done something unique that you can get motion and movement with his characters in Way of the Warrior if you look at this game and Mark had just come from making uh Gex this platform and they wanted to do a platform game so he brought me down, and with Jason and Andy, we started Naughty Dog. And at the same time, concurrently, he started Insomniac with Ted Price and um, a British guy, Andy. I can't remember his name. But anyway, um, and they were working on another game that they had in mind. And uh, I remember we went to Universal Studios. was so fun because you got to drive around in those carts and act like a yeah. movie star. And So you were on the film set, right? I was right there. It was yeah. so cool. You know, and like um, – they had Alfred Hitchcock's little hut or something where Steven Spielberg was and his Amblin Entertainment was right next door to mm-hmm. us. And Naughty Dog had, um, you know, um, uh, I just saw um, uh, Jason Rubin. He had a dog named Morgan that he brought on every day, you know, mm-hmm. hence the name Naughty Dog. Yeah, just, yeah. This, guy, this Morgan was a, just a beautiful dog. Yeah, they do the whole kennel. The like, whole thing. It's, it's all dog related. The whole there, thing. Yeah, yeah they, they did a great job. And uh, we were in the commissary there eating, and Mark was talking about the game. And he goes, hey, I'm thinking, we're thinking about a bandicoot. Do you know about it? I go, Mark, I don't know. What is it? What is a bandicoot? Mm, yes. You know? Yeah, the Crash Bandicoot series was a big deal. That came out. I mean, they even redid it. Was, it. They it was it, um, it launched. Recently. It was, uh, what did they call it? A branded? No, branded. When it came out with the platform, with PlayStation 1? It was just a launch title. Yeah. It was a launch title. That came for out. the PlayStation yeah. 1. It was, it was like their mascot. 
like how was. Sega, like Sonic it the Hedgehog, was. was Sega's mascot. They just recently released like three um, Crash Bandicoot games, and my kids are all like, "Oh, Dad, Crash Bandicoot!" From you know, they they look yeah. at that like it's something from the like 1920s yeah, or they something. Remastered it. I think they they, did. they went from doing cartoony games, which people thought, "Oh, you know, it's a great way to get into the industry," but then they went into doing a lot more things that were. Um, uh, realistic. They did. Looking. I mean, they yeah. did do Jack and Dash. You can't forget that. That right. was that's another. That was amazing, and it showed off their animation skills, their animation quality. Yeah, but now the they're doing one. like the Last of Us series. It's like right. unbelievable cinematic, yeah. man. It's just yeah. beautiful. And it's yeah. and they've been able to make what I think it's been like what four titles for Last of Us or I, not Last of Us. Last of Us is going to the second one. It, Drake's Drake's yeah. Uncharted. Uncharted. That was yeah. another big one. And they have Evan Wells now, who's like these are people that we brought in like uh, Crystal Dynamics as testers, and now like he's the president mm. of their you know, um, at uh, Naughty Dog. So That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, awesome. and they make great, great games, right? Insomnia, they do. Yeah, great, great games. They make the games, like, you know, you got to wait five years for a new Zelda title. Right. You got to wait yeah. five years for their product, but you know it's going to be a success. It's always going to be good. I mean, do you do you remember Do you remember at the time when uh, Take-Two was going to get purchased? They put themselves up for I sale. do remember all of that, man. And I couldn't believe it. EA was going to buy yeah. them. Oh, my God. I think... And, I think it says and Strauss a lot for them. said no. A uh, good. I was and and Strauss so took a lot of heat no. because I don't know if you. Fine, I don't know if you remember because the stock was like eight, twelve dollars. Yeah, something it like was that. very cheap. And EA offered him like twenty six. Yeah, but the thing something. about it is that I know. Not just, to, I don't want to talk bad I'm about just, EA, but they would have. I think they would have ruined that IP. I'm just saying that the money on the table yeah. that Strauss walked away from, like at the time, people yeah. said, "Are you nuts?" But they're making now, so much. Now look at so the stock. Now. now look at the stock. But they're making so much more money. Like once it they is got, unbelievable. once they got up to the times and did the online, the GTA mm -hmm. online, and got it working because they tried to do that with yeah. GTA uh, Four. But it wasn't working the same way. Mm -hmm. um, back with Nico. Nico was the main character, mm -hmm. the protagonist in that, that. But then with GTA V, all the tech was there. Everything looked great. And then they did online on there. Part people still playing it now. I know. They're making so much money. I know. Hand over fist. And it's just going to continue. If they would have sold it, you know what would have happened? They would have put GTA on the Origin network. Nobody would have went into the Origin because you would have to only download it from EA's Origin client yeah and then people they would have missed out on sony people just staying with that ip and with that product so I, I i applaud the decision that they made of not selling out at that point even though times were tough um you know i had a stint though where i worked at ea i was very fortunate because at the time ea had nobody like now they have yeah. 20 recruiters yeah. and etc i was the only yeah. recruiter at ea and they moved from uh a small they had been in fashion island uh, mm. this building for like I don't know 10 years maybe mm. by the time I showed up and I showed up in like the mid to late 90s maybe for a couple of years and just when they opened this new facility that they had and at the time now they've got like I think two or three buildings at the time they had one building and they had their own a gymnasium with their logo on it and they would have company meetings with in the stands the stands would come out you know like your old high school stadium uh, basketball arena yeah. and um, some of my really dear friends uh, I met at EA at the time and you know EA takes a lot of politics from people like oh my gosh oh my gosh EA like they're the big behemoth monster and there's a lot of arguments to be made about that but there's some great people that work there too yeah that, and they've and actually done great product yeah. I think the thing with EA I think EA was a little before its time because EA operated as if other businesses and other business industries operated EA could, would come in 
like a product or like what a company is doing and buy that company. Yeah. They wouldn't say, oh, yeah, let's do something together. They would just buy the company. Yeah. And then the problems you have there and are much in a, like. In a, in a way that would kind of. It have, would rub people the to, wrong you'd way. You'd have to go take a shower if you talked about the details. Yeah. It, know, it, people, it, people would really be upset. Exactly. But yeah. again, you'd see other industries flourish from that happening. Like when right. you look at the automotive industry, there's a reason why there's only like a big three or four companies right. of yeah. automobiles that you're buying stuff from because they, they buy up the competition. Right. And um, you never know. I think it could serve EA well with how we're going in the future with the whole uh, Stadia or something. I think that's how you say it, where everything's online, just like on live, the video games. EA has a plethora of content that they can just put online and just make a bigger stream. It's going to be be, amazing. It could be crazy, you know, but what it takes to get to that is what's crazy because it takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of not caring what other studios or people think about you because EA was just buying, they had the money. They and you have to build that infrastructure on you the do. back end that yeah. is just so complex. They have, so they have millions of people online playing. Yeah. That's why Google's got the power to step into that and, and make that make that happen. Hopefully, we'll yeah. see. And they locked down the sports yeah. entertainment aspect we'll of it see. too. So. You know, it's going to be exciting, right? It is. It is going to yeah. be exciting. We'll, we'll see how that goes. So you're at Universal. We moved ahead a little bit. Uh, from Universal, you went to Electronic Arts. I you did. You were there for three years in-house. You were the only person, uh, like you said, they had the Redwood yeah. Shorts uh, building. Um, what were some of the things that uh, staffing consultant – is that different than technical recruiting? No, it's kind of like a, just a similar title. I'm still responsible for building up the studio. At the time, we were going to get EA.com. They were going to launch their own uh, .com initiative because this is like the late 90s when the .com explosion is happening. So we were bringing in people like that. They started working with Pogo mm-hmm. um, and developed Pogo. And so we brought in people to start up that. And that was so like we, pre-King. It was pre-King, and so we brought in people for that. We brought in people to start building out back-end systems and platforms. This is all brand-new stuff. So it was really exciting, right? And some of those people, like I said, all those people that you know I've stayed in touch with, now they're in charge of building out platforms for you know million-dollar systems and you know DA average daily active users of hundreds of thousands, you know, very awesome. complex systems yeah. and. Um, yeah, they've had great careers, so it's been very fortunate to see how the, the entire growth in the game industry, which, by the way, they continue to project. You know, uh, we get these reports all the time, and I would encourage anyone to look at this. You know, compared to even consumer products, compared to media and mass publishing, compared to marketing systems, compared to automotive, nothing looks like video games. It's like 15% year in, year in, year in growth for like the next 10 to 20 years. And we're not even talking about, you know, the opportunities in China, which are just off the charts. Like at any given day, there's like 160 million people online playing games in China. Yeah. And with the growth with AR and mixed reality, which is taking off like crazy. Yeah. You know, that's, well, it hasn't really been as... Well, people are being more creative with it. That's what I mean. Like, I think people really thought that VR was going to be the new frontier. But I think with like the Pokemon Go, the new um, Wizards game that came out uh, where they have more augment reality gameplay, whoever, here's the thing, Apple just stopped doing their, you know, AR glasses, right, or their AR wearables. Whoever comes out with whatever that wearable device is for AR and mixed reality, that's going to be the next billion dollar company. Or maybe I trillion think, dollar company. I think you're right about because that. Because there's so much content. But when you, even when you see it on LinkedIn, there's so much content out there. But who is going to be walking around with their phone in front of their face, like trying yeah. to navigate? 
that's yeah, not that's, only is that dangerous, that's but that's not happen. that's not feasible long term. Um, but if you get that, whoever gets that wearable technology, where now you can, you know, the latest thing I saw was somebody flipped open a map, like an actual book of a map, and I it folded that. out I into know, like a big map. So cool! And then you pick where you want to go, and this airplane comes up, and you just follow this airplane as it goes through the traffic lights and everything like that. And I was like, that's pretty awesome. Now, if you or have to your read glasses, your newspaper too, it's exactly. like this little thin plastic. Thing. It'll be like Hogwarts. Yeah. It will be like right. this weird Tony yeah. Stark mishmash of Hogwarts technology that that uh, people want. And but once you get that that wearable device i think that's going to change the game did i just say read a newspaper because nobody reads newspaper. well people do well they read it digitally now that's the thing they read they get, i do but they get their well I, I think there's something special about reading the newspaper but no i, I gave up as soon as i got my well, kindle and i opened the la times on my kindle i said what am i doing with this old paper it, the smell that they, there's no there's nothing advantageous well there's about certain a I, I would think there's still certain things you know because everybody's not on board with technology so there are still things you're going to see from the local mom and pop shop who hasn't had the opportunity they don't have a website they don't have that's, all that's this stuff true. going on that's and true. they may have exactly what you're looking for and you're only going to get that through that media yeah. not that you know they do need to like having, having three channels in omaha nebraska maybe i'm, I'm sure yeah. they got stuff yeah. in omaha nebraska yeah. i'm being facetious yeah. but that kind of thing so i see that uh, I mentioned Origin. You've worked on the Origin system for the EA. I, it looks like I helped them staff up, but they were in Austin. Don't okay. forget. Okay. And so, yeah, I forget that guy's name. Richard, somebody. He flew into space, man. Richard. Richard is it Garrison? A Gar- 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 It starts Richard with a G. Yeah. yeah. He, had, he has a castle out there. Yeah, he's really a. He's really a. With I, an observatory, I, I think at the time. Yeah, yeah. He's very. He's very much a. And he paid like twenty million to fly yeah. into space. Or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, that, once again, that was like. At the time, like nobody had online systems like that, yeah. you know. So that was exciting too. And we worked on some great products. Like I, I got to staff up on Madden, and they started a studio in Florida and work with them. You know, at the time, and now Madden is like a perennial three hundred, four hundred million dollar event. Like yeah. they've got it down, man. And some of the, it's just amazing the improvements that they made in these games. It's like, what? Like the people who just sign up to Madden. I don't know what it's called now. Madden nineteen. I'm sure it's Madden nineteen or Madden. I mean, I haven't played Madden in a while, but it's like. Nothing compared to what we had back then. Same with the, you know, NBA basketballs or yeah. now hockey and, and they got FIFA. FIFA is like FIFA the number like one game in the super world. Super realistic, yeah, right? it is. It's it has more um, diversity because uh, football is only here. Soccer yeah. is a worldwide, right? So that's the that's the thing. So that's pretty cool, man. Need so, for Speed was a great game too. Need for Speed was a great game. They that had that's a great franchise. Yeah, um, I remember playing Rivals. That was awesome. Yeah. That's where you could play as like uh, either a police officer. Or just like a rival renegade type person, and you actually were playing the chase mechanic of yeah. like, you know, am I going to chase? But you're chasing down real people, which is pretty cool. So I, I remember getting that when I got the PlayStation Four because I was streaming myself playing that, and yeah. I had people when I was doing the streaming for uh, Firefall and stuff like that. I had people watching me that were from like Russia because they oh, PlayStation yeah. Four didn't come out yet there, and so they were like, oh, this is one of the games we're looking for. And I was like, oh, hello, my Russian brothers. <laughs> you know, it's was, it was pretty funny. So. Director of Worldwide Staffing. You went to Reef Internet. So I did. You, did you got out of the games industry? I or what did. I was there? pulled into. So you know, did EA forget. burn you out? No, but no? there was a person at EA, and there and this was. I don't know if people can remember, but there were Cisco Systems uh, at the time was like the most unbelievable stock in the history of stocks. Like you know, they're doing. Um, uh, routers and they're just selling a billion of them a day. So were you looking since you, your love of technology is there, were you looking at technology and going like, I think internet 
exactly. going to be the next big thing. <laughs> I got to exactly. get out of the games industry. Did you ever think that internet and games would just coincide and you'd be like, oh. I know. It, like, that, that, that did happen, didn't yeah. it? And it's going to continue to even get better and better. So, uh, so the difference is what I want to focus on is coming from the games industry, Coming, you were in the games industry, what was that year? That was 97, 2000 that you went from there to the, the reef. Um, you saw how laid back it was. You saw how uh, chill it was at work. How was the difference of that of going into reef internet? Like, was it like you had to now dress up? No, no. Very, you know, was it different? No, I think those, I think that culture kind of permeates throughout the high tech uh, okay. world kind of and I, one of the things I liked about reef was it was international which I never got a chance to work on so you know they would fly me to Paris once a month for like a week and then I would go to Brussels and I would go to Berlin and I would go to London and we would build up teams from there so I got a chance to work with different cultures and different um, regulations about how they hire in Europe you know you can't just terminate someone in Europe you got to give them three months notice they're three months notice to start um, there's all these different variants that about sounds very laws. similar not the same but very similar to California it's even though they have the at will yeah. it seems like it's very difficult to let someone go uh, not yeah what's really problematic in Europe and even to um, to hire someone takes a long time because they have to give three months notice you just can't say two weeks not be out of here mm. so you know we're talking to Edward about maybe joining a company in in mm. Paris or something mm. you know and here we are in uh, July so you might be able to start in October right kind of thing interesting that's yeah. very interesting yeah hmm. that's so cool I, I guess I really that makes like it where that. people don't burn bridges or yeah. mess up product if they go mm -hmm. that route that's interesting. That's cool. So Reef Entertainment, you're there for two years. You went on to go to Global Search Tech. I went back into my own kind of consulting. So you did your own thing. Yeah, my okay. own thing. And kept in touch with my clients. Now, was this, was this you solo or was this you with uh, a handful no, of people? No, me solo. Or okay. Me solo. Yeah, I would go to different clients. For four and just, years. Yeah. Okay. I decided to get out. I, I moved out of the Bay Area, moved up to Southern Oregon. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had my family. I had three boys I was raising and took them out of that environment of uh, Northern California, which I had been t living there for like 15, 20 years, which I loved, except for, you know, the housing issues got to be um, challenging for us. And we went up to southern oregon and ashland beautiful city um we were able to get a nice home etc and uh, i started coming down to the bay area commuting with my clients once in a while and and then i got sucked into uh, uh red five studios mm -hmm. not sucked in but these were some ex world of, yeah, world of warcraft 10 years man 10 years yeah director that's, of talent acquisition you were there for yeah, a long time i was there so, was always challenges and and it always looked like something great was going to happen, and yeah. you know, and door number three was going to open at any given moment. There was never a time where it's like, "What are we doing here?" This is. I think one of the greatest boring. things that happened was uh, building relationships and coming in contact with people that you wouldn't have met outside of one hundred percent. Because uh, creating the product is one thing there, but I think I think the. I don't want to say downfall, but I think the thing that was the challenge mostly was that you got so many people who are professional, so many people in different disciplines that could make product, and we've proven that we could make and create. And I think it was a little bit of we were a little bit of before our time, and there was so much uh, gray area where we were like the people in charge, the people that really have the hammer to place down to make decisions. I think there was a little bit of um, – uh, 
wild wild west of not knowing where to go not knowing what to do because what we were doing was brand new mm-hmm. at that company because when you look at games now you look at uh what Fortnite looks like you look at what it's apex firefall, looks man. like it's firefall you look at there's another game coming out um that looks exactly like firefall so i think I when it comes down to the art i, we I were can't creating, believe we didn't make any money off that game. yeah it's crazy I, it's like it's crazy it's like they had to work at not making money off that game yeah i don't get it, it i don't i don't understand it either i mean i, I went through a time where I went all in on that. Yeah, project. I did too. And so a lot of us did. Yeah, we put our heart and soul into yeah. that company. And so, like, I think I think we, some of us could see the vision of what this could be, and then I think uh, another handful of people were just all about the money and trying to see how somebody much money should they write can a make. book about it. I've been thinking and then, that somebody like somebody should write a book about. Yeah, that and thing. then there were people who they couldn't see it. They were just there doing a job. Mm-hmm. They were just doing whatever their tasks were. Mm-hmm. And um, I think when you have those three groups together. And then at the top, if no one's really orchestrating that, it's it's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. Because now you have. And I don't have that skill. I don't have that insider skill set. I don't know how to judge those people at the yeah. top. You know. Yeah. No, but you did a I'm great sure job they were of doing... bringing people together, yeah, and so I, that's what's important. Yeah, but I'm sure those people were doing the best that they thought they could do at the time. No, nobody's purposely trying to make that not work. I, no. Uh, Oh, okay, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I know. <laughs> I know. We, we have some I friends mean, who might think yeah, right. right? Yeah, right. I'm so, more forgiving, maybe. Yeah, so, it, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, you know, when it does come down to it, there was a lot of opportunity there. There was a lot of uh, chances given. Um, but when And it, a lot of talent. And a lot of talent. Um, but when it comes down to it, uh, I think there was just, there needed to be a visionary up front that could see the full uh, pipeline or layout of the project and where it could go and what it could be. And, and how I think to monetize we monetize it. And how to monetize And I think we yeah. just had people there to be like, oh, well, I'm only over this, and I'm only over that, and I'm yeah. only over this. And even though the three people over those three areas that I mentioned before, they were communicating, but I still think no one really knew. It was new. It was new frontier. Yeah. No one knew where to go. I mean, when you look at um, when you look at games like Fortnite, Fortnite wasn't what it was built to be right. what it became no you know never. um the only one that was really built to be something was the apex legends that mm-hmm. came out they built that with the intent of being what it is mm-hmm. um even with overwatch overwatch was not what it mm-hmm. was it turned mm-hmm. into what you know mm-hmm. because they're all were trying to chase what was popular what do people like playing and that's how they made their money mm-hmm. there's another game coming out um, it's a smaller studio, but it looks it looks just like Firefall. So mm-hmm. with looks out of the way and gameplay now coming into play with the MMO space and, you know, the only real successful MMO has been World of Warcraft. You know, if, yeah. you, t- if you look at longevity. Um, so now you're trying to couple that with this art style that we have. And then it's a whole nother beast. And don't forget, know? too, we built back-end systems, Jeff Barabee, like, Built yeah. a whole DevOps team of like 2025, 20, and you know we're doing. Yeah, there's a lot of technology that came out of and now he's that like, time I period think as he's well. with Bethesda or something, yeah. or Zenimax Online, built and managing all their systems. Like so much talent on the back end side too. Yeah, you know there was a lot everything. of new things going on. Like and we a lot of new tech. tech. I, you know, the last four or five years when we got involved with the Nine, which is a publishing house in China, we we were able to work, as you say, working with the people. We're, we're making friends with people who grew up in Shanghai. And they're coming to the States and they're like, wow, this is so fun. Show me how to throw a baseball. Right. And that was like in my, you know, I, I'm, I'm a lot older than you, but when I was a kid, like I could never even imagine having a relationship with somebody from China and talking to them. It's like, this breaks down the whole concept of, I mean, I, 
in New York. Like barriers, politics like or something. Barriers, but yeah. I, and the whole concept of nationality even goes out the window. Like, why would you talk about, you know, he's the same as I am. Mm-hmm. You know, here's a guy, you know, like a wizard or something like that's what you. That's what you come to learn. Yeah. Like, well, when you talk about social media and then news and, you know, uh, mainstream media, like the, the picture's always painted differently right where everything's negative and bad and don't talk to people don't do this but when they're you the do, same as us yeah when you when yeah. you do get out there and you uh meet people throughout this industry which is so amazing they are they're people yeah they're just people yep. so it's it, you know there is no the only difference same is hopes and dreams you and i have. exactly yeah so it's it's pretty crazy man um so director of talent acquisition you're at rfi for 10 years um you built a lot of people. I think it says something here like uh, you founded some of the key developers from World of Warcraft. Yeah, we. I think it was uh, Mark Kern. Mark Kern, Mark was, Kern over was our CEO. Bill, studio. Bill Petrus is one of the founders, and he right. was the art director. Who was the art director on World of Warcraft? Who is the art director on Overwatch? Yeah. Um, he such carried a that style with him. Such, his such a talent. So you, know? you were there for 10 years. So in December 2006... Was the studio just being formed? It like, was. What was going it was on? like probably. I think I was like number twenty or something okay. like that. Yeah. So you and been Tom to Cadwell had been there, who is now the VP of Design okay. at uh, Riot. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. So you were there to hire up. I remember when I went there for an interview. You guys were in a small space before mm-hmm. we moved to um, the, uh, the, the the area near Lake Forest. Uh, oh, I no, I wasn't oh, in that one. Spectrum. I missed the that spectrum. That was really nice. Because when I interviewed yeah. at one place, you guys just moved to a new space when I started. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, so that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the what are some of the takeaways? I mean, director of talent acquisition, what does that change for you? You've already been uh, your own employer. Mm-hmm. You already had your own businesses. You've already worked on small scale, large scale for staff recruiting and and in that regard in talent acquisition. But now you're the director of talent acquisition what changes is it what there's other people that i'm responsible for for managing like sourcers and other recruiters so we had recruiters in shanghai for a while we were building out a studio in shanghai and so i was responsible for that and then we started hiring more additional recruiters in-house at red five and sourcers and like a talent coordinator to manage all the interviews and then a talent operations person to you know tell us how we're doing metrics and analytics and what that's all happening too. So that was exciting. And we would go to various trade shows and have a presence there. And if another studio shut down, we had a, we had an organization, we would go there to the studio and be there on site right away with our wares and kind of do our pitch. And one of the most amazing things that we kind of got famous for was called the golden ticket program, uh, which we had MSNBC at the time came and interviewed us and, um, Aaron Burnett, who is now on CNN, has her own show as a newscaster, came to our studio and interviewed all of us. And I, I you know, she interviewed me for like half an hour. And I, I went home and told all my kids, and you know, oh my gosh, I'm going to be on TV. And I was giving all these, you know, don't forget vanity is the number one of all sins, right? I, I try to remember about that all Out of seven, yeah. Out of seven. <laughs> it's the number one. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to be on TV for like a... And it turns out there's like 30 seconds of me, you know, at the end. But it was like a seven-minute, uh, which is a long time. So um, the gist of the program is that we identified 120 developers in the game industry. Don't forget, these are really hard to get talent. Very sought after. And uh, at the time, uh, there was a little, uh, what was the iPhone? Th- not, it was for just music. What was that called? The Nano. I think it was the Nano? No. Uh-uh. Oh, my gosh. I can't even think about it, man. It was like the first music that you had, like an MP3 player. 
only it was an Apple product. Anyway. Talking about the iPod? The yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe. Talking about just the iPod, yeah. right? The yeah, one the that was like a brick, right? Right, right. right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we sent those out to everybody, right? And there was the 120 in this like really like kabuki kind of case thing. It was really, we paid somebody like 40 grand to develop it in San Francisco and everything. It looked really cool. Like, how do you open this? How do you open that? Like, only a gamer would be into that. Um, and then inside was the iPod and a direct message from our CEO, Mark Kern. And it was very specific, like, hey, Edward Bowman, this is Mark Kern at CEO. Glad to, we finally able to talk. Hey, we've admired your animation skills for a long time at, uh, what were you at, Vicarious Vision? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's really? Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. really good. Uh, you know, we've, <laughs> we've admired your skill set for long, and we think you'd be great at Red 5. Why don't you log in to red5.com 67506, and let's, continue the conversation so sure enough we sent out 120 120 people logged in and when you logged in welcome edward you know here's your job at red five here's what your day-to-day would look like you know if you're interested contact you know jeff or whatever you know we ended up hiring like four people which is you know out of 120 that's about it's about a four percent return now did people what what was that did people think it wasn't real or something because that's kind of unheard of to get uh not poached but to get approached yeah in that very unique way so what happened if for it to be you hired four out of 120 um they were like some the people that we hired were like blown away by it like wow how unique how creative how special and how you know you thought about me and right. those are the people that you were like, hey, let's bring these people yeah. on. Yeah, and we were lucky. Them. We hired, like, um, Eric Lasso, who was our AI programmer for years. He's now at Google, very successful, heading up their AI programs. You know, I still talk with him all the time. We play chess all the time online, you know. Um, he's my chess buddy, brilliant chess player. Um, but uh, having an AI programmer is not an easy thing to get, as you well know. Um, and we hired our design director, uh, Scott Youngblood came from that and he had worked on a game called tribes which was a similar which type a big of game deal. that, that we were talking game, about yeah. at the time yeah. yeah so uh we got to be very successful by that we had an article on wall street journal about us and from my perspective like i said it was a great uh, recruitment tool because it identified us as wow these guys are special they care about talent they're creative and they'll go up they'll they'll put their money where their mouth is behind going out and finding top talent and that's 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 golden press, man. How do you get that kind of branding? That yeah, came out and that's of that? exactly what you did. Yeah. Like I, you know, I do applaud you. You found a lot of people. It was really good. Who were very passionate about their discipline, and it's rare to have a team built like that these mm-hmm. days. So I do applaud that. That was that was pretty awesome. So if we go back now, we're looking at you were at Ubisoft. So three years. Um, what is your takeaway from is is there a difference between being a director going back to senior or is it all the same it's the same work it's kind of the same except i don't man i don't have to be responsible for managing people which i don't you know i kind of like yeah uh, but it takes your time away from doing what you love doing which is yeah i mean i I like both sides of the coin to be honest with you and i would i would i wouldn't manage people again because i love mentoring people and getting people on board there's so many recruitment techniques that we can talk about you know it's all about First of all, identifying the talent. That's one thing, right? Hey, what do you need, Edward? You know, like you if you were the hiring manager and you're talking to me, oh, man, I really need a gameplay programmer. Okay, well, that's a broad thing to talk about. Can you give me more specifics? Yeah, I'd really like them to do, oh, tell me more. You know, where would you like to see them from? And then you got to go 
you know, for me, like we go into like, you know, your little man cave here, right? You got to go online and get into your little zone and go, where am I going to find these people? And then you start building out lists. It's called sourcers. Nowadays, that's very uh, compartmentalized. We have people that just do that. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine? That they go out and try to find people because not everybody wants to be found. Right, that's true. Right, the people that are on LinkedIn, everybody says everybody's on LinkedIn. No, everybody's not on There's LinkedIn. There's still a huge group of people that There's are not. a huge group that has no interest on being LinkedIn. Yeah. They, they get reached and, and, you know, people are poking them all the time and they don't want to be poked, right? And you have to respect that, right? But we have to build out what kind of talent, where are we going to find them, and then how are we going to go about getting them? So the first thing is identifying the talent. The next one is building out... The, who that talent is and then it's like what is our messaging because you only get one shot i get to pull your sleeve one time and say hey edward my name's jeff look at what i got over here look at my playground what do you think that's all i get and, and i hopefully you'll say wow tell me more and hopefully you'll say okay i'll talk to you tonight at eight and then we're off to the races i hope if i can get you on the phone for a half hour 45 minutes i hope you know that's awesome, yeah. man. That's pretty good. Yeah. So what would you say, you were a philosophy major. So how has philosophy helped you out throughout your career? Is it is it more of uh, the reading of people, how to communicate with people? What, well, what would you say well, the your first, choice? The first thing is I, 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 never, I never had to go through a midlife crisis where I have to wonder, like, what's this all about? Because I already did it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Don't jinx yourself, man. There's a lot of wood right here. Don't you get to knock it down. Maybe there's some time left that's yeah. going to happen. But getting all that stuff out of your brain, you know, in the youth. So, yeah. you know, like, hey, what would happen if some alien came and took all of our atoms and just blew us up and then they reproduced all of our atoms? Would, be, would we still be the same people? Like, I wrote papers and on that. And how would you know? Yeah, and how would you know? I wrote papers in that in the 20s. So I, that kind of conversation is of no interest to me anymore oh you know know what i mean if that's what you're saying you were doing with your philosophy major it seems like it was more of like a creative outlet no it it was also logical yeah it was very creative um which i grew up in a very creative family my mother was an artist which benefited me tremendously so i can talk to the art and i understand i understand I don't. I don't want to say what that type. I what type of art? Let's just say what type of art was it that she, she was a painter. On? She was a sculptress. Ah, okay. And me. had a love for it and taught me the love for it and the respect for it. Like mm-hmm. I still, I still get chills. Like I, I, wa- I walked into the um, uh, Chicago Art Museum mm-hmm. and they're well known because they've got that Whistler's Mother. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. They've got the one about. Um, What's it called? American Gothic with the guy with the pitchfork, the farmers in front of the house. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? With him and his wife standing. Him and his wife standing yeah, with yeah. a pitchfork. Yeah. And by the way, the painting's like 12 inches by 18 it's inches. T- it's, it's tiny, right? And that's not my thing. Like, that doesn't, like, give me goosebumps. But I'm walking around here, and all of a sudden, they have a room that's like 20, 30 feet by 30 feet. And they've got this Jackson Pollock on the wall that's like 20 yards by 10 yards on one wall. And man, like people can say what they want about Jackson, Jackson Pollock, but, and I don't know if you saw the movie about him, but I walked in that room and I had goosebumps for like 15 minutes looking at this thing. Because the sheer amount of skill and time I, I don't it know takes how a create. human did that. I don't, yeah. it's like, it's like mesmerizing, man. It's those aliens you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. And I still get that way about like Van Gogh or yeah. like, a, like we were talking earlier about Picasso and what a, what an asshole as a person he was. Yeah. Right. Well, let's appreciate but, in the arts. Oh my God. You look at some yeah. Picassos and you just like drop your jaw. And yeah. I'm that way about video game. Like, you know, Bill Petras. Yeah. We had talked about him as an art director. We were going over portfolios and 
you know, he was looking at somebody had created a creature of, of uh, like a uh, walrus with these tusks. And I go, oh, my God, Bill, that's beautiful. He goes, no I, no, I can't do it. I go, what do you mean? It's like gorgeous. He goes, look at those tusks, man. They're just, there's no stain on them. They're, they're just so clean. And I go, oh, that's what he's looking at. You know, I, I didn't even see it. How weathered Like, you look at something like, you know, I send you an animation reel, and I go, hey, Edward, I think this animation look, reel looks really cool. And you go, uh, I don't think so, because, you know. And it I, depends what we're looking for. Right, it's, but, but I learned from that, that right? When yeah. you tell me, oh, I need somebody who can do this. Yeah, you did. You, know? you did learn from so that. So I like to be, and I learned that from my mother, I think, being a good listener. And then when somebody does send in something like that, they're putting their artistic thing on the line. They don't want to. First of all, they don't want to hear nothing back. They don't want to be ghosted. But they want to know, like, hey, how can I improve? And they don't want to hear how can I improve, like, handward, you know, this is really not good. You know, they want in a positive way. I remember... Um, I think a lot of that goes for your appreciation, too. Yeah, of, I think of so. what you do. Because I've worked at places where I would get sent animation reels, and I'm like, oh, this isn't going to cut it. I don't think this guy or girl is into what we're looking for. But then when I send that back, I get 10 more of the same thing. And I'm like, oh, man, they I don't think this person, they're just doing a job at that point. Yeah. They don't care. They're just like, here's 10 more yeah, people. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of recruiters. And that, that's the other thing we can we could talk about. But yeah. the word recruitment to me is like somebody who worked at an agency with a response. They got to make their own. I told people I made my own living. You know, somebody at, a, at like an HR in a big, huge behemoth like a blizzard who, and they get, what, 50 resumes an hour? And they're just looking through resume. This goes to programming. This goes to design. And then they say, "I'm a recruiter at Blizzard." Come on, I, and I can, I can smell that. Like, and most people can't. The right? work hasn't been put in to appreciate well, what that. They're that not skill reaching is. out to anybody. Right. Right. They're not recruiting anybody. They're paper shufflers. So that happens too. Yeah. But we digress. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are some of the things that you would say to a person uh, in college? Because I've talked to many people in this industry mm -hmm. and where they got in their start. A lot of people, um, such like yourself with philosophy, I think that complements what you do. But I, think so I don't too, think yeah. philosophy uh, and where you are now, like it's not a one to one. It complements right. what you do, but you could have went to school for communication. That would complement mm -hmm. it too. So, what would you say to people who are in college that are looking to go into uh, technical recruitment or, or recruiting? Like, is it important to take up something in college? No, I think that's beneficial, or is it just about living life, experiencing life, and knowing how to communicate with people? I think I think so. I think being a communicator, PR people are good at this. Um, people who have attention to detail, uh, people who play games and know about games and have a passion for that. Or just knowing about your product. Knowing about your product. Yeah. Haven't, and I think one of the, you know, strengths of, now that I can look back, like, you know, when you get to my stage in your career and stuff, you can, you start to recognize what your strong points are and what your weaknesses are. And I think one of the strong points I have, and I can just continue to have an innate curiosity about both people and products and games. And I think that's benefited me really well. Keep being curious, keep asking questions, keep talking to people, keep improving your skills, keep getting better. You know, you want to be able to, a lot of our work is customer support, customer service for the hiring managers. These people are responsible for, you know, multi-million dollar projects, for getting things done. They're looking to you to find them the top talent. You know, having a, having a relationship with them on a one-on-one, -on -one, getting feedback from them on the resumes you send, where would we go, what games do you like to see people from, how am I missing the mark on this candidate, what can I do to improve? 
you know, I remember um, Lewis, uh, I think he's an animator at Red 5, long hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was his name? Lucas. Lucas mm-hmm. Kong? Carnes. Yeah. Is that him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll never forget one time, you know, he told me one time, I said, you know, what do you, what, what kind of sets you apart from the rest of the crowd? He goes, you know what? I actually like criticism. I go, really? And he said, yeah, how else am I going to learn? I mean, most of us get criticized and we kind of crawl into our hole and think, oh, my God. But, but it's not about you, right? You're a beautiful, loving person. you got a great wife. you got a mother. You know, people love you. But here you are now putting out your wares, and people give you money for that. So we're allowed to say, hey, Edward, on this product, it's not about you. Once again, you're a beautiful, loving person. But we would really <laughs> like to see X. Yeah. And you're not giving us X. Yeah. So can you please give us X? Mm-hmm. And if you can't, you know, that's okay. Somebody else might like your Y. But we need an X. Okay? That's all there is to it. And it has to be that cut and dried. Because it is a monetary business uh, At the end of event. the day, yeah. It at is. the end of the day, it you is. Know, somebody's paying the money. Yeah. And there's a time, you know, even though we don't like to think about it, there's a clock on money, right? It's going, you know, as soon as you start. Yeah. So. That's cool, man. Um. So I want to say thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I think the information that you share with us today uh, is going to help out a lot of people. I think uh, when no, you I talk would... about recruiting, I think it, it goes lost. Everybody wants to be animator, modeler, texture, da 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 da. But it's very important uh, to be a recruiter as well because it's having to build our relationships with people, and then being able to be that person who can act as the spear to get those people together to make a product. And I think that's important as well. What Thanks. were you going to say? I was just going to say that, you know, it's kind of interesting that we're doing this because in my next, and I've thought about this often because now there's so many colleges and universities mm-hmm. that have programs for game development. Mm-hmm. And yet when I talk to their like um, career centers, career services, they're not aware of the opportunities or how to educate these people for creating resumes how to do a portfolio how to where to go to get the right kind of engineering skill sets that i need to be a programmer and the different programming opportunities the different type of design you know we talk about game design there's like seven different disciplines that you could follow mm-hmm. and row that you need to know you should know about yeah. so you can make a wise decision you can make a wise same yeah. with art right yep. we have concept artists and even within the world of concept artists all i need a concept artist is photorealistic i need a concept artist is like humans i need Contest artists. We remember we had a person just said landscapes and trees. Mm-hmm. Remember, uh, like that was his job doing yeah. trees. Yeah, right. And I don't think people are aware of this. So my next career, I want to do this. I'm going to go to various schools and put on seminars how to get involved in the game industry. And that's awesome. Say, Show me your portfolio because I learned so much. You know, take out your high school stuff that you loved when you were 17 in your portfolio. Because guess what? Nobody wants to look at it anymore. I mean, I'm sure you like your Alfred, Albert Einstein from 17. It looks pretty cool, but not anymore, right? Uh, show me that you've got a passion for games. Everybody's got their the – night. the thing is now everybody's got their narrative down. Hey, tell me about – Edward, how would you get involved in games? Boom. Everybody's got that down, right? But now we drill down to the next level. Hey, Edward, what were the circumstances that led you to go – to the University of Texas and get a degree in animation. Oh, not just, hey, why'd you go to the University of Texas? Well, it was a good school. And no, what was the circumstance? Oh, well, you know, my mom, I actually had to work in a grocery store to pay. You paid for your own. Yeah, and while I was there, I got I got involved with these guys and we started making our own game. And you, you did? You made your own game? Yeah, it was really cool. We did it. Those are the people we want, right? Self-motivated, passionate about the industry. Because who's going to say, 
I'm not passionate about games. I've always been a gamer. I want to get involved in games. Well, what's the next question? Really? Tell me more. What have you done? What have you done in the last year in your profession that you spent money out of your own pocket to improve your skill set? You know, I, I asked myself that question. Well, I, I bought a book on recruitment. Okay, I did that. Well, you know. But did you I, read it? <laughs> That's the next <laughs> thing, right? Did you stop at page 50? <laughs> so it's like, but I, I see what you're saying. I think that is very important. Um, and getting resumes too. People nowadays, like some people like, oh, I was told I could only have a one-page resume. I don't know who told anybody that, you know. And I get different kind of formats that are like difficult to read, you know. And then you have to understand I think too, that's what people are trying to be different. They're trying to they, stand out. Okay. There, I think but there's you have certain to ways. That I'm looking at 30 resumes a day. Exactly. So there, there, there are certain ways or certain opportunities where you should want to stand out. And there's certain opportunities where you need to have a little bit of conformity because, like you're saying – if you're going through the shuffle, okay, boom, you stood out because your format's different. Yeah. But now now in reading what your format is, I'm not finding the meat of what I need to see. So good job mm-hmm. on being creative on your format being different, but you missed out on the content. I need to know content. who you are, what exactly. your strong points exactly. are. So I the think that's where that's like, coming from. Um, cover letters, like sometimes I get cover letters like, there's no way I'm going to read two pages of anybody. People don't read anymore. Don't forget that. People read like four or five sentences and then they want to see a picture. I think it would be how captivating it is. A lot of people are asking for CVs, but I think um, they're doing that to see how much education you have on the company and how much you know about what you're trying to get into so they can see, okay, well, you know what we do, come aboard. Like what you were saying earlier in your stories about, you know, you take someone off into that room for 15 minutes and you're like, what color were the walls? Mm -hmm. What color was his shirt he had on? You know, how many times was he blinking at you before he started (laughs) talking? You know, all all those things matter. Um, So I think that... It's a similar, a similar observation. The other thing is you have to treat looking for a job as a job. That's true. Nobody's going to come to you. I mean, I'm lucky. You might be lucky and somebody might come to you. A lot of us get the next jobs from friends. I think that's over time. Like you said, you build relationships with people. You're doing what you love doing. And then out of nowhere, out of the blues, you'll get hit with an opportunity and you go, "Hmm, should I take that opportunity or not? This, as you well know, this industry can be very, it's very wonderful and challenging and loaded with creative people and when you hit a success it's like amazing because you worked on a product that's being seen and enjoyed by millions that's incredible right you go home and your kids are playing the game that you help make wow but on the other side of the coin if you don't hit it it's lights out tomorrow like friday and so now it's like oh what do i do now and that can happen to any of us. And people forget that. It's, I tell people this is not the post office. Yeah. There's no guarantee. There's no, there's no uh, what do you call it, pension plan. It's the same thing right? with success, too. Like, I've seen a lot of people be successful. And next thing you know, they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And they forget yeah. this is what made you This is what gives you the lifestyle you want to lead. And if you just it maintain it and nurture it, yeah. you could be fine. But a lot of times they'll, they'll become complacent with that and go, I'm not happy anymore what yeah. and then and then they'll and then now they're going back on that that railway of what you just described of like lights out tomorrow because they made a choice they weren't happy with something which is you know they're you know you're able to make that choice and those people happy. don't know how to go about searching for a job i want to help those people you know and mm-hmm. i really can't do that in my current position but i'm telling you in my next career i want to figure out how to do that and i want to and i really like we do internship programs and we go to usc and we go to these various colleges you know and some of these, they're so appreciative to get even a, an internship. Because there's like a lot that. of people that really want to get in the industry, they're and I think just, the more people that you can get in the industry or get over that hump they may be experiencing, 
that's that new creative blood. That's that yeah. new inspiration. Absolutely. That's going and to they're elevating They're your further. users today. Yeah. Right? Yep. The other thing that's really. They're streamers. The other thing that's changing the industry now, too, is DI, diversity and inclusion, mm-hmm. which is becoming such a for, formidable um, challenge, too. Because I don't know what the numbers are, but uh, Gamma Sutra put, does an annual, you know, it's something like 40% of all game developers are white males between the ages of 25 and mm-hmm. what yeah you know and it's starting to change and we go to like grace hopper conference women technology we find people there you know but to find a senior gameplay programmer that's been gameplaying programmer for like a woman for like you know it might be like a five or ten percenter you know and other areas of discipline it's higher which yeah. is good yeah diversity is huge it's um totally i remember great. when i got into the industry I was like the only African American person, a black person at studio many times over. Yeah. Um, but I don't go into it looking at that. I go into it looking at what kind of team is here. What is the team creating? How passionate are the people? You know, that race and discrimination stuff like that really doesn't ever come up until someone makes it come up right. or someone is pushing that's their agenda to try to make drama happen or something like that. But other than that, and I think it's all I've based on I've never really of, experienced that. Have you? What? Like racism, outright racism. In of the course, industry? yes, yes. I've experienced really? uh, racism, ageism. I experienced um, ageism. I've had somebody ask me, like, "Dude, how old are you?" Like, yeah, I said you can't legally ask that question. Yeah, age is a protected class. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's like asking me, "Are you a black guy?" You know, "Are you Christian?" Yeah, are it's, you a it's Democrat? Bad. It happens. It happens. But yeah. a lot of things, you know, people don't talk about it. It's almost like politics and mm-hmm. religion. Like there are certain things people don't talk about. That doesn't mean those things don't happen. Right. It's just that who who's reporting those things and the person that they're happening to, they may not feel reporting is the best thing to do because you don't want to get blacklisted That's right. in this they're industry. In their job Once you get blacklisted, you're done. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you start your own company or do whatever. Good luck mm-hmm. because you're not you, – no one's going to want to work with you. Someone that you've rubbed the wrong way is going to still remember. They're still going to end up getting reached out to. And they're going to tell that story from 10 years ago or whatever that happened. And you're going to be like, wow, this was a great opportunity. I, I just got passed over. Like, yeah, I would happened, never burn you know? bridges, you know, try not do that. Yeah. But getting back to like if, if I was a college student now and I'm in college, I'm at Full Sail or I'm at, um, you know, DigiPen or I'm at one of the numerous like USC programs or colleges, you know, Brown University, any college, um, I would start thinking about what, what your resume is going to look like, what your – and then – once you graduate and you start to look for a game, I would do a spreadsheet on, you know, th- all the, these are the companies that I have. These are the com- Make sure you have a LinkedIn uh, profile that looks good, that tells me a little bit about yourself. That's huge. I don't think people a, know how huge LinkedIn really is. approachable picture, yeah. too. Um, and once again, tell me a little bit, not just, I just graduated with a degree in, in computer science from, from, you know, University of Texas. Um, okay, well, what? So, well, look know. at it. Look at it from this perspective so that's good you're talking about like people wanting to get into game industry, but what about that person that wants to get into the recruitment field of the games industry what are some of the things they should focus on to get to where you are um you know there's a lot of jobs for sorcerers which is like like i mentioned earlier your job is to find these people and you have to start out by having those skill sets so having bo- what you know what we call booling operator skill set like how to go about finding 
resumes, how to go about even using somebody's Twitter profile. You know, you can sw- search Twitter profiles, and maybe a Twitter profile says, you know, I'm a developer at EA. Now I've got your Twitter, ha- Twitter handle. So what, how are you going to contact them? How are you going to go about that? You know, how are you going to do a flip and search? How are you going to do x-rays? Um, so having that kind of technical skill set would be really good to start out of sourcing. And a lot of people, like, I would hire a sourcer who can show me, like, oh, no, I really know my Boolean operators. I know how to go about finding people. I know how to find resumes online. I can pull these searches out. I can pull these people from a flipping search or from an x-ray. I know I have that skill set. I would, I would kind of drop my jaw. The other thing that I find amazing, and, you know, from the old school that I come from, you know, in the days where people would reach out with a phone call. My phone number is on my LinkedIn site. I've had, like, one person that's ever called me and say, hey, Jeff, my name's Jim, and I really have an interest in getting involved. In, and I got to go, Jim, you did the right thing, first of all, by calling me. I don't know who, you know, but I'd like to see your resume. Like, I mean, that was my reaction. People think, oh, I don't want to bother him. I don't want to send him an email. I don't want to follow up. No, you have to be persistent. Maybe there's, Proactive. A, maybe there's a bunch of people that go, I'm sick of this guy emailing me. Get rid of him. Yeah. But I think most people would say, wow, this person... It's really, very persistent. <laughs> yeah, I tell people try to be politely obnoxious, right? Where you're kind of like a bluebird. Blue is that what bluebirds are? They come up to you on a picnic table and they like almost come right up to you and start biting your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like, what are you doing? Like, they don't care, right? Yeah. And sometimes they get a bite of your peanut butter sandwich, right? Um, and also keep track of, like I said, treat it like a job, express sheet. You know, on, on June 7th, I said Edward Bowman at, um, you know, uh, NCSoft, whatever, you know, Nexon. I sent him a resume. I sent him resume A because why do you have one resume? Well, Edward's looking for something. You ought to tweak it to make it look like Edward, you know. Um, I sent him a follow-up or, uh, email and haven't heard back, you know. He emailed me back 710, say he's interested in phone screen. 710, I had a phone screen with Edward, you know. Keep track of all that stuff. You know, it's going to pay off. That's awesome. Well, again, I appreciate it. I think this was awesome. I think it's great you're doing this. Thank you very much. I hope it's seen by a lot of people. Thank you, man. Always good to see you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Edward. This is awesome. Thank you very much. Hope you guys learned something new. We'll be back with another show soon. Thank you very much.